You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 120 with Tim Robertson and David Cohen, The Promise of Cinnamon. is up everyone tim robertson with david cohen here on tech fan it's uh kind of a an odd day today was the last day of high school for our second oldest and i posted a picture up on facebook for friends and family and all of her first day of school in kindergarten and her last day of school graduating high school of course graduation uh, ceremony doesn't happen yet but today is her last day of school so david i'm feeling melancholy yep it's growing a, up moving yeah. out well yeah one could <laughs> only somewhere uh, yeah Ho- eventually yeah <laughs> it's like the clock starts ticking now on the moving out mm-hmm. which is you standing over going when are you leaving when are you leaving we, you know we could really use a room right, yeah. <laughs> That's right. the house right across the street from us was uh it was a really nice house when we moved in to the neighborhood, you know, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And it's gone downhill ever since, right? Mm-hmm. So the uh, guy who owns it actually lives in, uh, I think, Quebec, Canada. Or Quebec, Canada. However you want to say it. Quebec. And uh, I got a hold of him because we were mildly interested in purchasing it, not for ourselves. And actually, it wouldn't have been my money anyways. But long story short... Uh, he came he, he came down to look at the house yesterday, and it's in really bad shape. Looters had actually gone in and stolen all the copper pipe out of it. Right. And uh, he he basically made me an offer to manage the property. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, you're not there half the week. Well, it's not like you have to constantly manage it. I mean, once you get a renter in there. Uh, I kind of get the impression that if you lived across the street from it, he might maybe he might he might expect you to kind of be on hand. Uh, I'm sure he would, um, but for the money he's offering, it's he he said ten percent. Eh, not really interested in it. I mean, look Julie if it, if it, huh? Wouldn't Julie be interested? No, she no. She doesn't want another job. No. No. Would you? <laughs> depends what well <laughs> depends how financially flush I'm feeling from month to month really. Mm. There are times when I think, mm, you know what? I maybe ha- I could squeeze a couple of nights out work waiting tables or something. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have your mic plugged all the way into the computer at the very beginning there, by the way. Okay. It's so, all right, I wasn't wasn't saying anything useful. No, not really. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean if I rented the house for, you know, a thousand bucks a month, which there's no way I'd only make a hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. That yeah. seems like a little bit. Of, look, if you, yeah. if that was your full time job and you managed like thirty properties, it'd be worth it. Maybe. Yeah, hundred bucks a month. That's less than minimum wage, isn't mm-hmm. it? Oh yeah, that's nothing. I mean, yeah. I, I could get a job at Taco Bell working the night shift on the weekends and make more than that. 
Or thereabouts, anyways. Well, in a month, sure, I'd make more than that. Yeah. Taco Bell. Mm, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I don't. I don't really care for fast food anymore, to be honest. No. No. We don't have Taco Bell here, though. I have partaken in the states before. Yeah. Uh, I know sometimes you kind of get a hankering for it. It does have that intense salt-powered flavor kick, doesn't it? But it does. But it used to be a lot better. Uh, it used yeah. to be good food when I was growing up in the '80s. Taco Bell was kind of a new thing, and uh, I remember tacos were fifty cents a pop. So I would get an allowance, and if I there was no forty five or um, Star Wars action figure or something that I wanted as a kid, I remember a friend of mine and I used to go up to Taco Bell and just spend like two bucks, and we'd both have four tacos. And ugh, they had these things called cinnamon crisps. Oh, they were so good. They they kind of looked like a uh, Dorito chip, you know except what? for they were cinnamon. You, oh. you had me at cinnamon. Yeah, there I you am. Go. I am just. If anybody ever, if you ever wanted to torture me for information, you wouldn't need to torture me. Just give me cinnamon. I'll tell you whatever you want. I am. I'm. <laughs> the it's, promise it's, of it's, cinnamon. It's, it's yes, yeah, like crystal meth to me. It really is. <laughs> the promise of uh, that's going to be the name of the show. <laughs> the promise of cinnamon. So it was actually a, a kind of an exciting week, David. Uh, la- at the end of last yeah. week, we did talk about uh, one of the things we're going to be speaking of is uh, subsidizing internet and computers, and we're going to get to that in the uh, last segment. Yeah. But let's kind of start here. Um, honestly, the big thing for me was the Xbox One being announced. Yeah. And uh, I haven't watched the keynote. It's like four hours long. And uh, oh, I. There seems to be, an, with Microsoft, there seems to be an inverse proportion between the length of the display and how much information they give you. So the longer it is, the less they tell you. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, I was looking at the ports and all that on the back, and I th- and I posted this on Twitter. I said, oh, so the new Xbox One is dot, 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 a Mac Mini. Because <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much what it is, for all intents and purposes, hardware-wise. It's basically a PC. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was a little kind of surprised with some of the anemic numbers. A 500 gig hard drive, really? And you have to install every game. Every game you buy, it has to install. And if you know the games are going to get larger, and I think they're going to because the Xbox One has Blu-ray, Yeah, that's going to take a lot of space. So you're telling me every time... Well, I did not read, though, if you can use an external USB as storage as well. I didn't see that. So if that's the case, then it's not that big of a deal. But if that's not the case, I know that is the case with the uh, PS4. And you can also do the same thing with the Wii U. But yeah. eh, I don't know. I'm going to have to start managing my games, delete this one so I can install that one. That doesn't sound like fun. Well, no, because Blu-rays obviously is a quantum leap in data storage from... Uh, potentially from from a DVD, so installing. I mean, it takes. It's not it's exactly quick on the Xbox 360. It's like a five minute process. So if you have to do that with a Blu-ray disc on an Xbox One, I can imagine it saying taking fifteen twenty minutes. That's not going to be funny if you're constantly juggling games. I do wonder though how many how much of these game purchases are really going to start shifting to uh, digital. I.e., I buy it on the xbox live store and download it rather than going to a video game store or amazon purchasing it coming home with a physical disc and installing it because i'll be honest with you david 
I like the digital downloads better, especially on an Xbox because they load so much faster. You can install the games now, like you said, but you know, the, it's if I need space, I can just delete the downloaded game and then re-download it later. Yeah, I think it's going that way, but you know, it's obviously to you know to do that you need to. I know they've just scrapped them, but you've had to use these stupid Xbox points in the past, which yep. is not which is like pseudo money. Um, was that part of the what they talked about? They're getting rid of the Microsoft points thing. I, I think they'd already announced that actually. Okay, um, I didn't see that. I think I think that those are already going because I think they realised that that it's stupid. And Amazon's starting to do that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Microsoft's dropping it, and Amazon's starting to do it. Who go figure? I mean, I, I would imagine that sort of system has a place. I mean, it would be a good solution on the iTunes store for this in-app purchase problem where, you know, if you could set up account an account that was only funded with those and then you could put money in for your kids, then that would make sure that they didn't run up these big bills. But um, I think for the Xbox market where generally the people who use them are, are, are adults rather than children, um, you know, that would be uh, – that is a disincentive. Yeah. Um, I, I look. I, the problem with the problem for me with Xbox at the moment is that because there's so much predication on having the gold account, I've basically and I, I don't want to pay that subscription for that subscription. So I've basically ignored pretty much everything online that it does. I've downloaded a couple of game demos and everything, but I've not got into the store purely because. You know, I, I, I'm put off by that initial thing of saying, oh, you've got to pay us money for the full access to our online system. So immediately that turns me off. And at that point, I just ignore the rest of it. And I'm, you know, just using it as a, as a, as a gaming system with, with the DVD drive. Now, uh, we'll see whether the business model for the Xbox One changes in terms of that live subscription. To me, it's crazy to sell a console uh, and then not, bundle access to the services uh, to everything the thing can do straight in to make you well, pay I extra like, as well. And, and in that regard I like the, the Sony approach so much better yeah. because you could do everything for yeah. free except they have PS Plus so why would you want to get PS Plus? Because they give you free games as long as you keep that subscription and I had to renew mine just a month or two ago you get free games I and these are class or double a games or triple a games however yeah. you want to it's good stuff unfortunately yeah. it seems the best stuff i already own so eh, there's a little of that in there but uh, it's free stuff it's free content and i don't think a month goes by that i don't download at least one free game if for no other reason to try it and it's stuff that i, I, I never would yeah. have tried before whereas microsoft's approach is to um try and try and seduce you with with kind of add-on value content right. so you know if you want to see a, the the halo 7 trailer early then if you're an xbox gold customer then you can see that right um you know you can get extra downloadable content for your games if you've got an xbox live account but well for me meh you know, I i'm with care. you i'm with you yeah i don't i don't 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 sell me something i mean you you know, we grew up where you bought, went out and you bought an album or something and you got the liner notes and you got all the extra added value stuff to thank you for buying the products in the first place. Yep. Not as an opportunity to spoon more money out of you. That's right. And the companies, and I don't blame purely Microsoft for this because, you know, obviously it's the gaming companies as well. And let's face it, we all know they're very big about the, uh, you know, nickel and diming the customer to keep playing 
routine. Um, but uh, but yeah, it just that just doesn't interest me, you know. But um, although I will say, I don't mind the true value add. In other words, say you go out and buy a game, and you can it's the whole game. You do everything, but yeah. you want you want additional add-on content bonus missions well it costs another 10 bucks well if i play the whole game and i really dug it for another 10 bucks i can get another eight hours worth of gameplay i think that's great that's i don't see any problem with that what i have a problem with is the game is so stupidly hard and almost unwinnable unless you buy extra to get a better gun or a horse or a car or something like that that's when it pisses me off yeah that's like, well, oh, thanks yeah. for pay- buying our game, but if you really want to pay it, you know, here's the ransom note. Good example of, the, of this. At the moment, <clears throat> I'm playing Crackdown 2. Good game. Uh, yeah. I like oh, the I first you. one better. I, I did like the first one better. This The second one is not as good. But the thing is, you see, when the second one came out, I hadn't long finished the first one, and it was like, well, it's they haven't really changed it, so why would I want to play this now? Yeah. Um, now there's been a gap, and I've come back to it. Yes, I'm enjoying it. It's not as good as the first one, but it's still... It's still a fun game, and and the gameplay is kind of broadly similar. Um, and the the fun thing about Crackdown Two is that, yeah, you can shortcut the grinding by um, paying money and downloading weapons and mm-hmm. abilities and that sort of thing. The thing about Crackdown Two is the grinding is fun. It is. Yeah. It it's is. fun, and that's what I liked about yeah. the first one. I loved it yeah. as you were beefing up your abilities, and all of a sudden you could just do a, a fifty foot jump straight yeah. up. I mean, it was. And it was so fluid, and you'd spend t- 20 minutes trying to figure out how to get that stupid green orb up on the top of that <laughs> exactly. sign. Yeah, yes. It's how do I get up that building with the, the, the abilities I have now mm-hmm. to be able to get it. And, and yeah, and the sense of satisfaction when you got that kind of rush in as all of a sudden an ability upgraded, and then you found you could do something new, that was good. And it, that opened up more of the game, because then there were more places you could go to more easily. So, so yeah, so the grinding is fun. If you make the grinding fun, I don't have a problem with... Shortcutting the grinding for people who don't. Who, well, plus, who the first game had that, such a know. better. You can go anywhere and do anything in the first game, but it was these. What was it? Three gangs. Yeah. And you could tackle them in any order you want. You can go right after the boss at the beginning if you want. Of course, you're going to die immediately. Um, but I, I like that aspect. The whole zombie thing in the second one is just ugh. Yeah. It just didn't. It didn't have the personality that the first game did. No. But nevertheless, you know, um, I'm enjoying it. But that's a good example of, uh, you know, kind of in-app purchase done right. Yes, I agree. Um, I, I've i got to be honest, though, what kind of disappoints me about the Xbox One uh, announcement, and obviously it's a partial announcement because there'll be more E3, yeah. is that there wasn't an awful lot about the games in it. <laughs> it was like, well, the, oh, yeah, Microsoft the, did say the games that, are going to look great. But here's all the other things we can do. But they they said that the the games aspect of the Xbox One, even before the announcement, is going to take place at E3, and they're going to push a lot of that onto the developers themselves, that this was really about the hardware. And so I get that. And part of the hardware, though, is, you know, they made a big deal about the whole television thing. And it's like, um, you do know there's a thing called the $99 Apple TV that pretty much does everything you're showing us right now. Well, not even that. It does. It. They made a big thing about how you could switch to very quickly from game to TV and back again. And it's like, don't you know there's a button on the remote that does that? Yeah, I don't it's need. It's called to. input. 
I don't need to shout at my Xbox or do a complicated connect gesture to do that. I can just turn the Xbox off and you know what? The TV comes signal comes straight back on. They were saying, oh, you don't ever need to turn your Xbox off. You can just pipe your cable signal through the Xbox. And you read that and you think, oh, great. So it's going to be a DVR. It's going to um, you know, allow you to, to overlay content onto right. the TV. Oh, no, no, none of that. No, it just basically, they put a whole operating system in there to use it as a pipe through the Xbox to present the TV signal to you. And it's like, okay, so I've got to consume extra power on my, on my you know, to get, to, just to watch TV. Yeah, it doesn't and, make and, sense. And the other problem as well is that maybe there's an advantage for that if you live in the States and you have cable. But outside of the US, very few people have cable. They don't, we don't, the rest of the, the rest of the world did not go big into cable television like the US did. So we've all got multitude different systems. We have satellite we have over the air digital and all that sort of thing and um i don't see you know this this seems to be so aimed at the cable market I, it just seems you know the rest of the world is a bigger market than the u.s is yeah absolutely so, you know there's nothing there for there's nothing certainly there's nothing there to excite a brit about the tv aspects of it you know if it had a de- you know if it had a decent dvr in it i'd be much more interested exactly um, I do like how the Wii U handles the TV. It it pretends that the TV is exactly what it is. It's just a dumb terminal. So there's an option on the, the flat panel controller thing for the Wii U. And there's a hardware button that says TV. And you hit TV. And your TV turns on. And then the screen on the controller itself, even with the Wii U off, the screen lights up and you could change the channels. You can go up and down on volume, um, and then one-click button will turn on your Wii from the TV remote. And then you just close the TV remote with a button on the screen, and you're ready to go. I I think it's a great idea. I think it works great. Because obviously I'm turning on the Wii U to play games. Why do I have to reach for the TV remote to turn on the TV first? I like it. I think it's it's a really elegant solution. But I do wonder, though with the big splash that the PS4 made with their announcement was well with Sony I should say and Microsoft with the Xbox 1 um where does the Wii U fit in here it seems like a doomed console it really does i like it don't get me wrong yeah but uh but i don't it's really def- like it because it's yeah it's, it, it's, it's definitely struggling games. the market isn't it right it's got some games that i want to play and at the end of the day that's really all that matters who cares what it's playing on? It could play on the toaster for all I care. That's where I put the disc. I don't care. I just want to play a game. But from a financial standpoint, it seems to me that Nintendo is in a lot of trouble here. How long do you think it's going to be before they go the way of Sega in that they just bring their IP, their intellectual property, which is the games, yeah. to all the other platforms and they give up on hardware altogether? I don't know. I mean, who knows what they're working on? If if I were them, I'd be struggling to do something about the Wii U, um, and perhaps I mean, remember the N sixty four, which was kind of a similar similar sort of deal when it came out. You know, everyone ca- kind of went, well, technically it's pretty good, but it never really captured the market the way its competitors did, and it was actually then replaced fairly quickly. 
Um, I wonder if the Wii U is like that, and I wonder if Nintendo internally are scrambling to come up with something that's more of a conventional next-gen console than the Wii U is, because it's clear that the Wii U's kind of unique selling points just really aren't exciting the market. No, in fact, EA said they're not even going to support the Wii U. They kind of backtracked on that, but little bit, even but so... Uh, at least I mean, from the sports franchise part of EA, yeah. there's no plans at all. Which is huge, yeah. because FIFA, which is not really all that popular in the United States, is like the biggest selling game in the world. Yeah. Not coming to the Wii U. Yeah, that. well, I, I think I think that says more, probably says more about EA than it does about Nintendo, um, because I think, I think EA are thinking, well... You know what? Um, we can get away more with the freemium model on the handhelds like iOS, and we can generate more revenue there. And I think those sorts of signals are them already skewing their market development towards um, devices where they can continue to operate that model. And I think that's one of the things that concerns me about the Xbox One is even though after all the hoo-ha about always on gaming. Um, they kind of pushed back from that and said, no, it, it doesn't need to be permanently connected to the internet to work. It does once um, a day. It does once a day. Um, and they are they have set up this huge bank of servers that are going to basically run content in the cloud for the games. And, and they are saying, well, it's up to the software developers to decide whether they want to use that or not. You know, immediately we're setting up for another Diablo 3, Sim City kind of deal where software manufacturers can say oh well here's a way of reducing piracy let's have stuff go in the cloud just because we can yeah um and um and if 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 games start working like that on the xbox one then i'm not going to be a customer because i'm just not interested in even though i have good broadband here i'm not interested in that i'm not interested in you know i have I already have problems with my with my broadband connection. If you know, it's a it's a busy evening. Friday nights are tab- I can't stream stuff on my, on my Apple TV on a Friday night, just because the internet around here just gets so busy. Yeah, I don't want to be affected. You know, my game playing to be affected just because there's something going on the internet. Yeah, I, you know, particularly when when the only person that really benefits is the is the game manufacturer. It doesn't benefit me at all. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those things we got to kind of wait and see and, and find out what yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the- I'll be an early adopter. I always am on game consoles. Uh, Although I yeah. really wasn't on the Wii U. I waited a good, what, six months before I got yeah. a Wii U? So I'm yeah. kind of proud of myself there. They I, I, they didn't announce pricing, though, did they? They didn't. Um, and, Neither uh, did uh, Sony. No. no. <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Again, you know, times are hard. I think if these things come out the four hundred, five hundred dollar mark, they're in trouble. I don't think, I don't think they're going to sell well to start with. Yeah, I think three ninety nine is too much. I think they have to start at two ninety nine, and I understand that that probably means they're going to take a loss initially on these things. But they need to take a long view that yeah, you know, at two ninety nine, people are going to buy them and they're going to start getting content, and we're going to make money that yeah. way. That's that's the problem is is it at five hundred dollars you know picture uh well it doesn't have to be a kid picture anybody you can say well five hundred dollars I can either buy a games console that means that I get to possibly have to write buy a subscription as well and then I'm paying sixty seventy dollars a game or I can buy an iPad <laughs> yeah that can do other things rather than just play games and the games are really cheap if not free as well. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that's a tough sell. It's a very that tough sell. That is a sell. really tough sell. I think if uh, Xbox and uh, the PS4, if those two platforms really embrace independent gaming, 
bringing these free to 99 cent, even to five, five buck games to the platforms, I think they'll be very successful. Uh, but they have to make it easy for the developers to do. They can't rake, rake them over the coals doing it, you know, with all the licensing and you know, it takes forever to get approval and all that. Yeah. I think they could see a lot of success. But if they don't, I think both of these platforms are doomed because the 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 time to spend seventy dollars on a game is quickly passing. Now you you'll do that for a few games, you know, the Call of Duties, the Grand Theft Autos, the the Madden, the Fifas. You'll spend that much money on those games because you know they're going to be good quality games. But very few people now are going to start taking chances at seventy dollars a game when they could just you know play on their iPod. I don't know. I think it's going to be a very interesting year from this point onward. It's going to be very interesting what's going on in the gaming platform wars because it's not just two or three companies now. It's it's Google, you know. It's the cheap tablet makers out there. The 99 to 149 models. It's it's Apple and iOS and the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah, it's, it's Amazon. Sony. Yeah, it's Amazon which is part of you know android but most people don't know that well it is now i Who knows I, what happens in the future I, well the thing is is that any time any time apple uh, amazon updates the kindle yeah they could drop android they could um, but it's you know, really really hard to make an operating system david it no it, really it is. is no i appreciate and it wouldn't that, make them any it doesn't make any sense for them to do so because it doesn't cost them licensing fees to make an Android tablet, they just reskin well, it, and it could still use all the Android games. I know, but but I suspect there may come a time when they want when they when what Amazon wants to do is they want to do content deals that lock people into just their platform and their platform alone. I think that's their ultimate play, you know, and that's what they, they do with the books. But that's what doing they do with the books. Though. So no, well no, but the point is is that and, and, and you can sideload any Android game onto a Kindle. Most people Kindle, don't know Kindle how to Fire. do that, though. No, most people know, don't know how to do but you can technically do that at the moment. Yeah, but I don't right? think most, whereas, I don't think they, they care about you, that. If you go... Well, if they were to go to a business model where they, they fund development of their own intellectual property, both video and, and also game stuff, and then it's only available on the Amazon tablets, I can see that being compelling yeah, to them. I can, but I can't, because Amazon doesn't really care a whole lot about the hardware platform except for it's a delivery mechanism for their content. And the reason for that is if if you look at any other mobile platform out there that has any shred of popularity, all the Amazon apps and books are available there. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can stream my uh, Amazon Prime videos to my iPad or my iPhone. Uh, I can read any books that I purchase. Now, there's a few advantages of going with a dedicated Amazon hardware device, such as a Kindle White that I have, and that I can borrow books, one a month, for nothing. Well, not for nothing, because I spend, you know, 80 bucks a year on the Amazon Prime account. But it's a small benefit. It's not a selling point at all. It's kind of a thank you for buying the hardware. Yeah. I don't think they're all that interested in hardware. They've never shown... Other than the Kindle and the Kindle Fire and the HD and all that, even those, 
if they were real serious about it, they wouldn't still support iOS, regular Android. They wouldn't be putting the Amazon Prime video player on game consoles. I've got it on my PS4. I can stream my Amazon content there. So, I don't know. It's- yeah, I see, what, I see what you mean. But having said that, you know, Netflix, HBO, people like that are now starting to develop, you know, platform-only content. Um, and, it, you know, I, I just wonder whether Amazon would like to lock people down to their only platform-only content by using the hardware at some point in the future. I mean, it's, it's all going to very it, much depend on what It could happen. I, I'll, I'll grant you yeah. that. But I think it's years in the future because... They make way too much money from iOS users. Why would they want to give that up? Let's get back to uh, Xbox One before we break here. Uh, the last part I wanted to talk about is uh, the co-cloud thing is interesting. And we touched on it briefly, but the other aspect of the cloud on the Xbox One is it will do GPU-specific tasks in the cloud to free up resources on the machine itself. And they gave an example to ours of uh, clothing effects and hair that can be pre-rendered in the cloud, making it a lot quicker and faster on your machine itself. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. But again, I, I just I kind of don't get it. What's the point of announcing? Here we've designed a console that is hundreds of times more powerful than anything's gone on previously. Um, but in case it's not powerful enough, we've also got a server farm in the cloud. But see, uh, to, to me, me that's future-proof. <laughs> no, to me, that, that smells of uh, trying to future-proof it some, which I think is very smart. Uh, I really do. I'm, 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 maybe I'm more cynical than you, Tim. But, oh, you but are to definitely. Me it's, to me, it <laughs> smells of... Um, the video game company said, we want, cloud st- we want cloud services so we can lock people into our into being on the internet for our games. Uh, and Microsoft going, okay, no problem, we'll build that into our architecture. And then when they launch, because of this, this big back, backlash about the always-on thing, they have to come up with a kind of, uh, uh, you know, a, a fuddy-duddy, uh, ho-ho-ho, yeah, here's why we really did it excuse, which is, oh, look, we can, render, we can render hair for you in the cloud because our machine's not powerful enough to do that. Come on. Well, yes or no. <laughs> um that's not, not a, that's not that's not that's not a feature that you roll out in you a couple do not of weeks. Three hundred thousand server farm to render hair. No, no. There's a lot more to it, but I mean that is one of the reasons that it exists, and I think that in the future that could be very very popular with game developers because as big as Blu-ray is, and as powerful as the Xbox One may be neither one of those are going to seem very big or very powerful in five years. And how long was the Xbox 360 out for? But, but you know Eight what, years? Tim? If, if this was a future-proof play, then what they would have done is they would have said, we've built this capability in, we have proof of concepts, um, you know, this is something that we see for the future and we're planning for it now, and this will be scaled up over time. They would not have all the servers sat there chewing nothing while they wait for the console to launch which is what they've done and the only reason they've done that is because 
EA has asked them to. Mm. I'm, I, I refuse to accept there is any other reason. I think I think they did a very serious and very quick PR climb down after that guy tweeted that thing saying, well, what's the big deal? You know, everybody's always on nowadays because they realized what a PR disaster it would be if they turned around and said, well, yeah, we have an online element that your P- Xbox One always has to talk to in order to play games. But I, I do believe they would not have invested that level of resource into that sort of facility unless it was meant to do something more than oh here we can just make the um, capability of the game slightly better because name me a game on the market today that requires anything other than local processing well that's because that's all there is available on any but yeah, platform but, but there, there's no there is no game you can play nowadays where you go you know what i really wish this had more um processing hair. power behind it <laughs> the, i want more hair on shrek <laughs> yeah, no, but what I'm saying is, there's no. Let's face it, the games industry is not that diverse. There's no type of game where you play it and you say, "I wish, I wish these, um, these, this machine had more horsepower to do to make this game better." There's well, nothing there. You know, I think that it's easy to be cynical about this. Oh, yep. And I am somewhat cynical, but yep. by the same token, I think also that there are some very smart people at Microsoft and. I think they know where their bread and butter is being buttered on, I guess you used to say. The, where the bread is being buttered on is the correct metaphor. And it's not necessarily the game developers. It's the people buying the consoles. And this is a very profitable aspect of Microsoft, where they're falling behind, it seems, in a lot of other areas, especially mobile. This is the one that they are the leaders out there. And they're going to do whatever it takes to keep that competitive advantage. And I don't think pissing off their users is the way they're going to go. Right. But okay. I. You know what? I would. I would absolutely one hundred percent agree with that sentiment. If it weren't for fact that you could say exactly the same thing about Microsoft and the PC desktop operating system, saying, you know what? This is the this is the cash cow. This is their biggest product. This is the market leader. There's no way they would they would release a product that would piss off all their users and and not be accepted into the market and force them to to backtrack and everything. Except, hey, guess what? They just did. It's called Windows 8. Yeah, in some respects, yes. But <laughs> it, but that's another one where they are trying to appease their cost- current customers with the classic Windows there. But you can clearly see where Microsoft really wants to go. Yeah. They want like, to start I, abandoning yeah. legacy and start embracing the new, like Apple did. But Microsoft, when it comes to operating systems and support, is much larger than Apple's ever been. Yeah. And but what, all, that's all a balancing saying, act. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is, is with a company like Microsoft, I don't discount their ability to not see the forest for the trees. I think they've... They I have agree. History of actually that I agree able- with. Yeah, but and yeah, you know, here's the thing: the proof's going to be in the pudding. Maybe I should. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, should I, I rename mean, this the metaphor show. But and and, and I <laughs> I could be you know comp- I I am very very conscious that we have not seen the full launch mm-hmm. yet, and I could be hundred percent wrong about all of this stuff. But you know what? <laughs> I I just I just the problem is is when you you when you kind of a shady about the details. Uh, and you're kind of evasive about asking the the inevitable questions about the details, like used games. You know, I, 
yeah, used games is another one where, you know, all of a sudden you, you start to smell a rat. You just start thinking, well, there's something here that, that they know you're not going to want want to hear, so they just don't want to say it right now. And they're hoping to bury it in the flurry of E3 stuff later on. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, by, by the way, yeah, no used games at all. I mean, I've got to tell you that I can't see how that's going to work. I don't I, just on a on a on a an, a practical level. So what we're talking about here is the um, the question has been asked about whether the Xbox One will play doesn't it doesn't play Xbox 360 games. It's a completely different architecture. But the question has been asked whether you'll be able to play pre-owned games on the Xbox One. So you know, Call of Duty Eight, you know, Super Graphics is launched, uh, and you know the guy finishes it in ten hours, and then takes it down to GameStop and sells it if you go in and buy that disc we'll be able to play it on your Xbox One uh, and what Microsoft is kind of saying at the moment is well yes you will and we'll have a system for that but um, what you won't be able to do is just just install it on the console it's tied to your Xbox Live ID so there's going to have to be a way of untying that and that may involve money um, and that's all they're saying about it at the moment and I just can't see then they have said oh well, you, uh, the advantage of this is you could take the game around to your friend's house and play it on his xbox one just by logging in with your xbox live id and it will let you do that now i'm thinking to myself well, how actually does that work in practice how can microsoft tell whether you've just gone around to your friends to play the game on his system or you've sold it to gamestop because they're not going to want to deal directly with GameStop and have GameStop register the games. That's exactly so, what's going to happen. But what this really is going to kill is me selling you a game. Which, by the way, David, I've got a couple really good used iOS games I'd like to uh, see if you're interested <laughs> in. Oh, wait. Never mind. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but here's the thing. It's, you know what? I can, you can live with that on iOS when you're, not, when you're paying less than $10 a game. It kind of sticks in the craw when you pay $70 for a game, you finish it in a weekend, and then you basically can't sell it on to anybody else. Yeah. Or if you do sell it on, then the person who buys the disc then has to pay $70 again. Again? Well, they're not going to charge the full price again. How do you know? Because they're not stupid. And there will be a mechanism in place. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be a place like GameStop. Or you, I don't know. It's going to have to be something like that because it's not going to be, oh, well, I just unregister it from mine and then you load it and enter it as a used game. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. I, How much did I you can... sell it for Tim for? Because the cynical... what they're trying to do is they're trying to get Microsoft to get more money on the used game purchase as well as the developer. The, the cynical part of me again thinks that this is a backtrack and that actually that's exactly what they intend to do is say no. If you buy, a, for instance, you buy a game on Steam, it's like that. You can't, you can't sell a game on Steam. I know this because, because I, I did it many, many years ago. I bought a copy of Half-Life, Half-Life 2 on the PC. And it had a Steam code on it, which I had to put in. I had to have a Steam account before I could play it off the disc. And when I sold that game, sold it on eBay, the guy I sold it to emailed me and said, well, I can't play this because it says it wants your um, Steam ID. So you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't, didn't use Steam after that. So I gave him my Steam ID, and he started using it. But I suspect, <laughs> yeah, I suspect that's exactly what what they planned from the beginning. That's what um, I, 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 from a money perspective, from a business perspective, it's the right decision. 
except it's not because you're going to piss off your users. And if you piss off your users, then I'm going to use your platform. And what I think Microsoft is starting to realize is there is real competition out there in the form of iOS, Android, Nintendo, Sony. They could discount Sony and Nintendo because they figure they're going to go the same route anyways. And they could kind of discount Android and iOS because you can't sell your used games there anyways, except, oh, yeah, the price point is next to nothing. Yeah. So who cares about selling plants versus zombies that I paid five bucks for? So... Let's take a yeah, quick but- break, David, and uh, when we come back, we got more content, and uh, I got something new that I want to share with you. Be right back. I got a bad feeling about this. The App Minute Podcast, your one stop for reviews of iOS apps and Apple-related gear. I like the sound of that. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Join us on the App Minute Podcast on the Stoplight Network. Even Han Solo thinks we're cool. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. What? Count me in. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Back on Tech Fan, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. If you guys want to get a hold of us, the easiest way of doing so would be to send an email to either Tim or David at techfanpodcast.com. Or you can go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message there under the show notes for whatever show you're listening to and you want to comment on. David, I got something new. Yep. Delivered. Because, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it before. I'm part of Amazon Prime. Yeah, me too. And oh, you're a Prime member now. Oh yeah, I've been I've been a Prime member for a long time. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm sorry, not Prime. Uh, Vine, V I N E. Ah, right. Well, that I'm not a member of, and I don't know what that is. Uh, Amazon started this years and years ago. What they did was they went and took the top reviewers at the time. There was like 50 top reviewers, and they invited them to the Vine program. And the Vine program would. It was a uh, weekly newsletter that they would email out, and you could pick two things off of this newsletter, uh, and it started with books. And they would send you the free book, and you promised to review 75% of the things that they send you. And I thought, well, sure, I'll do that. You know, I, I do product reviews at my Mac all the time, and here's, yeah. I can get some free books. Well, it quickly grew beyond just books. At this point in time, you can get almost anything um, from any category as part of Vine. Now, unfortunately, it's Amazon really screwed the pooch on this and that. Let's say one of the things would be a large screen television. But they had two. Right? So the yeah. people that sat there and didn't have jobs and just the, the moment that that newsletter went live, they would scroll right to the end of the list where the electronics are listed and grab the TV. Even though uh-huh. they they weren't in any way um, qualified to review it. Yeah. So they started inviting more and more people into the Vine program, and it got a little ridiculous, to be honest. And there's months now that go by that I don't get anything. Anything at all. Yeah. But occasionally... I just happen to be in front of the computer when the email hits. And honestly, when I see it comes up Amazon Vine, I don't even look at the email. I go right to the Vine page and log yeah. in. 
And I just happened to see something that I thought, you know what, I, I kind of would like to review this. And now it doesn't list prices on the Amazon Vine review page, the newsletter page. And it was a pair of headphones. And it was from a company that I don't have a lot of respect for, to be quite honest, and that's Monster. Mm-hmm. You know, they make the Monster cables, which is yeah. way overpriced, and there's nothing better about them at all except it says Monster on it. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a problem with these with this company, but they had a pair of DJ-style over-the-air headphones, and I thought, yeah, I'll review that. Now, I should preface this by saying I've been using a pair of uh, a- AKG um, case 272 HD headphones for years. They're the best headphones I've ever used. I mean, they're simply fantastic. And I probably unfairly compare everything to those headphones but that's what i use so you know yeah i was kind of surprised when these showed up and how heavy they were they're really heavy headphones and they're kind of got this they're black they're kind of glossy black they're kind of attractive if you like the industrial look but aesthetically they don't do a lot for me they don't look like expensive headphones they look like bulky headphones Right. And so I had them for a couple of days. I knew I needed to, you know, plug them in and give them a run. And I've got a playlist that's called Speaker Review Music. Yeah. And uh, anytime I review headphones or any kind of audio equipment, that's the music I listen to. Uh, the songs don't change, but I do add new songs to it as time goes on. And it's got all kinds of music from Tool to... Alanis Morissette to a Star Wars soundtrack. I mean, it's got all kinds of stuff in there. But I know what this sound is supposed to sound like. I know the highs Mm -hmm. and the lows and where the sound stage is. (coughs) Excuse me. So these headphones from Monster are called the Incredible, N-credible, stupid, N-pulse. They retail for $200. So I wasn't expecting them to match up to the AKGs, and I was planning on giving them a fair review. Yeah. Wow. They sound incredible. (laughs) Yeah. You were expecting me to go the other way here, weren't you? Yep. (laughs) They sound really good, man. I mean, I, I was blown. Now, they're not as good as the AKGs, okay? But they're 95% there. They really are. Uh, they feel very heavy, except for when you put them on your head. The weight seems to go away, which is kind of strange. Um, cushion ear things, you know, ear pads, yeah. uh, really do black out the outside sound and, more importantly, keeps the sound in your head so people around you don't hear the music even though it's blasting at all. Mm-hmm. Um, detachable uh, cord, which I kind of like. It comes with a little carrying bag, which is, yeah, whatever. But, wow, they sound really, really good. I mean, the bass was just really good. Usually with headphones like this, they put too much emphasis on the bass for DJ-style headphones, and everything Mm -hmm. else kind of falls to the wayside. Not here. The sound stage is incredible. Uh, It picked up every little sound that I know I should be able to hear in the music because of the AKGs. It was just, they're phenomenal. So Wow. If you're looking for a pair of headphones in the $200 range, and these are, again, over-the-ear headphones, DJ style, that you're going to be very happy with for years to come. 
I highly recommend, and I don't, I've never had a lot of respect for this company. Remember, the yeah. Monster Incredible Impulse. I'll put a link in the show notes to these so you can follow it right to Amazon and see what I'm talking about, David. Um, yeah. Really just fantastic sounding headphones. I'm, I'm very impressed. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, they're not available in the UK, unfortunately. That, man, I tell you what, if, you, if you're looking for new headphones, then you ever get a chance to pick these up, David, you won't be disappointed. They really are fantastic. Maybe when I, uh, next time in the States, I might treat myself to a pair. You know, I, if you're going to spend that much, spend another hundred bucks, though, and get the AKGs that I've got. Yeah. I'm sure they've got updated. They're, they're better uh, tonally a little bit, and they're more comfortable. They've got kind of mm-hmm. a soft padding that goes around your ear. The sound does bleed a little bit more than they do in these uh, monster headphones because they don't quite pinch your head like these do. But the sound quality yeah. is true audiophile quality. But the, the monsters come pretty damn close. So if you're going to spend that much money, I would still recommend um, the NKGs. But for 200 bucks, man, I, I was not expecting to like them. I went into the review, which I, I generally try not to do, David. I try to be as fair as possible, but I already had a bias against that company for the way they yeah. rip people off for standard equipment that you can get for a, a quarter of the cost. Not only that, they um, they uh, they previously had that tie-up with, with Dr. Dre, didn't they, for the Beats? Yeah. Um, and those were kind of pretty patchy. Yeah, and I've also heard very Beats overpriced. And, that, and that's overpriced. They didn't sound all that good, and they became extremely popular. And I'm like, well, that's marketing. That's because it's yeah. Dr. Dre. That's what I was expecting with these. I'll be honest yeah. with you. That's exactly what I was expecting. And <laughs> it's not what I got. So Yeah, wow. Um, oh, I, had, I, I jotted this down. You're a science fiction guy, so am I. Yeah. I, I could probably safely assume that you would love nothing more in this world to find out that there's an alien civilization out there somewhere, right? Yeah. Or proof. Mm-hmm. We, someone actually has proof of alien life or an alien craft. When, I would love that. Yeah. With half the population on this planet now carrying cell phones with video cameras or still cameras, I haven't seen one <laughs> photo yet one video of actual alien crafts have you nope doesn't that kind of disprove the fact that they're probably not here <laughs> oh my wow the conspiracy theorist would say now that they are aware that we're all carrying cameras they've turned on stealth mode all the all the we ufos should, see we should have been talking about this i heard it in the background <laughs> that's right <laughs> the alarms are going there's a, off there's a black helicopter flying over the house right now <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I get that concept. I just think, yeah. you know what? If they were actually here visiting us with everybody having an an Android or an iPhone with a really good video camera in it, well, I think we'd have proof. <laughs> no, no, in fact, I was, I was actually thinking about this a couple of weeks ago about in relation to the Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. You heard, you've heard the Loch Ness oh, Monster, of course. yeah? Yeah. So, obviously... Uh, all the way through through the twenties, through to the seventies, early eighties, that you would get these grainy cine and and uh, kind like of floating you know, log bad and, photos yeah. of something that looked like the monster, and and quite a few things were proved to be hoaxes. But yeah, again, you know, all the roads around Loch Ness, 
they run along I've driven around Loch Ness you, they all run along the, the loch it's a very long lake it's about 25 miles long yeah um, but all the roads run by there are, there are very very few places where you can't see the lake as you're driving past and it's busy up there now it's one of the main routes through Scotland yeah so you're not telling me that if there was a monster in that lake that nobody would have been able to take a decent iPhone picture or right. movie of it now Either that or the monsters know we've got cameras too. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'll be honest with you. I'm the first to say I would I would love to have proof of the Loch Ness Monster or Sasquatch or yep. Bigfoot or what. Take your pick. I, I, lo- I personally always love the Chupacabra. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love proof like that because I'm, I'm a science nerd. I'm a I'm a. I love that stuff. I, I well, want not, to believe that. I think. I think. I think humans generally we 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 dig, we dig the mysterious. We dig the strange. Mm-hmm. We dig the out the ordinary, and those things sure are. Yeah, and we don't. You know? We would love to believe it, but the realist in me goes, mm, at this point, you got to pretty much rule it out. Yeah. So <laughs> we're running low on time again, but. <laughs> Are we, get, are we going to do it again? Are we going to nah, get to No, nah, let's 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 go ahead and touch on it. Yeah. So the point you had was the point I had was that um, nowadays an awful lot of customer service, including from the public sector, from the public, uh, you know, from the the government and that sort of thing, is is pushing towards online um, because it saves. You know, saves money over call centers and counter staff and that sort of thing. Uh, and of course, you know, many businesses also prefer you to do their business online. It saves them money. So, given that the whole society is moving towards an, a much more of an online economy, isn't it about time that government started to subsidize internet, not just um, connectivity, but also devices in places where um, it isn't currently available so that you don't have. A separation between those who are connected and those who aren't. Hmm. I don't know. You know, here's the thing. When you start talking about subsidizing the internet or computers, you get into kind of, for a lot of people, a very slippery slope. And if you're only going to offer public assistance via the internet, then you have to provide a means for people to access that information. Yeah. But what this really leads to for a a lot of people that are opposed to something like this is abuse of the system. And I get that. By the same token, if I'm a job seeker, I lose my job, which could happen to any of us at any time. Yeah. If I lose my job, I can't afford a lot of the niceties in life. I, I burn through my savings. I still haven't found a job. Uh, I start looking at gas. Well, I got to keep gas in the house because that's how we heat it in the wintertime. That's what our stove runs on. Have to keep electric. I mean, you know, I don't know if you could live in a, in a non-rural area anymore and not have electricity. They'd probably come take your kids away from you. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, so I need those things. I still have to buy food. I have to pay for my mortgage. Do I really need the cable television? Probably not. Do I really need that $100 a month 
cable bill or however you get your modem, um, DSL, whatever you get. Eh, it's probably one of the last things I turn off as part of cost savings. At the very least, I go down to the lowest tiered plan they have. But, yeah, I mean, Internet's got to go, right? I can't afford it. If you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I, well, the, so, I, I so, think, uh, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. So I turned off my Internet. Yeah. But now, now how am I looking job. for jobs? Right. Yeah. Am I supposed to go to the public library? Well, that's great if you have a public library in your area that has an Internet connection, but not every area does. Or it's 50 miles away. Or even 35 miles away. Well, you, how are you going to get there? Are you going to walk to save money on gas? You see what I mean? It's yeah. it, the point. The point I'm trying to make is that um, if you look at the internet as a utility, as opposed to a luxury, you know utilities are. I mean, let's face it. Telephone system was subsidised for many, many years. The the rollout of el- the electricity system is subsidised. You're not telling me that to. Um, if you've got, if you're one of three houses in, I don't know, Hicksville, Indiana. Yeah, that's 20 miles from anything that the ele- electricity company um, charges you a different rate just to get electricity out to you. They charge you the same rate as everyone else. Yep. That's not cost effective. So that's subsidized. And I'm quite sure that um, part of that is is, is federal federal or, or state subsidy. It's almost always and, federal. Yeah, yeah. So... The question I have is that if you're going to subsidize electricity, if you're going to subsidize gas pipes, you're going to subsidize sanitation, yeah, that at what point do you say, well, actually, internet and connectivity communications is as important as the phone or the power or the gas or the water? Uh, and, and how close are we to that? And I think, I think we're starting to get close now. And, it, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to be... A cable. It doesn't have to be the solutions we have today. I mean, you go to Africa, very few people have computers, yeah, but they all have cell phones. And you can do an awful lot. And the cell phone network, and, and considering what Africa is like, the cell phone network they have there is amazing. And it's because people out in very rural African communities rely on their cell phones for banking, for all sorts of public services. And we're not even talking about smartphones here, we're talking about candy bar phones. Yeah. And they've built the infrastructure to allow that to happen because they recognize that it's important for people to have some sort of connectivity. So uh, you'll you have to excuse the police, as you might imagine after what happened in, uh, in London the other day. Um, tensions are raised. Yeah, I was going to say that's <laughs> some bad news this last week, too, what happened yeah. in, in there to that, that soldier. And uh, yeah. I think, you know, at this point, most of us, have seen the video it's it's just uh, uh, unbelievable yeah I, it was it was horrific um but i'm also seeing reports that apparently um fighter jets scrambled for a plane today to a pakistani plane that was nearly hijacked so it's kind of kicking off yeah and then here in the united states we had a a horrible tornado that yeah. uh, it it was it was surreal I, julie and i i i forget which day it was tuesday or no uh wednesday Wednesday or Monday, I don't remember. Whatever day it was, when uh, it was Wednesday, we're kind of we had the CNN on, and you know they kept showing the school, and the the fourth through the sixth graders got out. And they were all counted for, but 
you know, the kindergartners through the third grade weren't. Mm. And, you know, I don't know. It just kind of hit close to home, and it was it was too much. We had to turn it off. We were like, I, yeah. we can't keep watching this because... There yeah, it was, uh, it, was the, it was the same for my, my son came home from school just as that Woolwich thing kind of, as the reports were starting to come yeah. in. Uh, and the, the moment he walked through the door, there was news helicopter floating overhead, and you could see, you know, big streaks of blood on the ground, and it was just, it was insane. It was absolutely yeah. insane. And again, same thing. Since he walked through the door, I turned it off. I didn't want him seeing that. Yeah, you know, um, if the people that have the motives like that would just listen to our show, David, I think we could solve these problems. Well, that that and business, and yeah. now subsidized internet. Yeah, I mean, we, you know. We'll get to I, everything I, eventually. Yeah, you know. yeah I th- I think that um, just to get us briefly back on topic, <laughs> I'd, I, you know, I, we we asked this last week, but you know, given what we're saying, you know, I'd I'd be interested to hear from our listeners about what they think about uh, the internet as a utility as opposed to a, uh, a, a luxury, a, a first first world luxury. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm t- I really am torn on it, David. I really really am. Um. Part of me says, no, it shouldn't be paid for the government because they they don't pay for my gas. They don't pay for my electric. Well, they they don't. But you know what? What they have done is they have paid for the infrastructure to be put in place so you can get gas. Yeah, but they've ultimately kind of done they that already. Didn't... I mean, yeah, no, the infrastructure is but... already in place, at least in the United States, in in most of Europe, definitely in yeah, the UK. Yeah, but, but that's the point. But to get the infrastructure in place to the areas that are hardest to reach, you do need subsidy, and and I think. I think the time is coming with the internet where you can't just rely on the private sector. The private sector will only ever invest in the places where they can get a return. Sure. And I think I think the problem is is that you know the more rural your country is. I mean, Britain has some rural areas where people still can't get a good internet, but it's nothing like the states. Um, and you know, I I think that it, it just really was brought to mind by this. This whole focus on on we were talking about a couple of weeks weeks ago with the always online and, and stuff like that. Now, yep. you know, for games that's not that's not life changing. That's not important. But jobs, social security, yeah, you know, paying checks, <clears throat> paying transferring money, all of that stuff, it is important to people, and that is the way it's done nowadays. And and increasingly, that's only going to get because of the of the commercial forces driving driving everything that way whether it be in the public or the private sector it's going to become harder and harder to you know it's going to be one of these situations you know like in the states you it's very hard to get by without a credit card yeah yep very difficult to get by without a credit card it's going to become like that it's going to be a thing where yeah you can notionally survive without online access but it's just becoming increasingly difficult and what you end up doing is you end up putting pressure on the people who can afford it the least as you as you were saying and I think I think in a in a in a first world country where we have big resources, to me that's just wrong. I agree, and in some respects, I can understand subsidizing internet access. I do have a problem with subsidizing computers because you know the government didn't help subsidize the refrigerator I use or the yeah. stove or you know it, I, I, I or, think, or a telephone. I think the- yeah, I think the, the the difficulty there is that, um, and you know, hopefully, the rise of these new types of devices is going to change this. Yeah. Um, I think the dif- the difficulty is is that in some ways, you know, having the internet without something hanging off the end of it is, is you know, it, they are they are they are so synergistic, they're so complementary um, that you do kind of have to take you do have to have one and the other. You can't 
you know. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's a slippery slope. I do. I do understand. And obviously, there are huge concerns about giving giving the poor so cheap internet devices you know are they are the, are those used just for um to get to enable them to access the internet or they used to control them they used to monitor them they use there's a whole can of worms there which you know i'm i'm not i'm not pushing under the carpet or saying are, are not difficult yes they are but i just wonder at the end of the day whether the time will come, and maybe it's not so far away, when those questions will need to be asked and those problems will need to be addressed in some way or the other to avoid creating another class of people in, in, in the Western world who who basically can't function properly through yeah. no, no fault of their own. Yeah, I agree with that part, definitely. So, Dave, let's wrap up Tech Fan and invite our listeners to send us feedback on these topics and any of the topics that we talked about either on this show or previous shows. Again, the easiest way to contact us is Tim or David, either one, at techfanpodcast.com, or simply go to techfanpodcast.com and uh, leave note or leave a, a note uh, on the play- page, feedback on the page. That's what I was looking to say. And uh, we'll read it right here on the show. We definitely would love to hear your thoughts, especially on the subsidizing the internet computers. I mean, you know, if, if someone out there has an idea, we'd love to hear it. Because while I've thought about it somewhat, David, to be honest, I've got other things on my mind, <laughs> especially work-related as of late. So Yeah. Cool. Well, David, I think we'll be back together again next week, unless there's uh, big plans that I'm unaware of. But otherwise, we should be here next week and do another Tech Fan. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.